0: Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome back to Unbothered. Today, I'm going to preview the Chargers and Chiefs Thursday night football game tonight. Who has the edge in that? I'm also going to preview the rest of week two, make some picks, as well as talk about some college football for this weekend. So let's get right into it, starting with the Chargers and the Chiefs for the Chargers Wide receiver one for them is out. Keenan Allen uh, is not going to play tonight. And on the Kansas City side of the ball, Harrison Bucker has been ruled out. He was dealing with an injury against the Cardinals after a kickoff, and he has been ruled out. So, you know, Chargers are missing a big weapon in Keenan Allen. Uh, you know, to me, he's not a you know top five wide receiver but he is somebody you have to account for. Uh, He's great in space, big physical wide receiver. So Chargers are definitely going to miss him. Uh, Justin Herbert's going to miss him. But then for Kansas City, I think this is going to be a close, close game. And in close games, you need your field goal kicker. Uh, And I don't trust uh, Justin Reed, the safety, who can make some extra points. But consistently, in clutch situations, I don't know if I trust him or punter Tommy Townsend uh, to make kicks since Harrison Bucker is one of the best in the league. So, both teams are dealing with a big loss, but with that, I think Kansas City has a slight edge in this game, uh, and that's who I'm going with uh, J.C. Jackson, also questionable uh, for the Los Angeles Chargers. So, Kansas City, first home game in Arrowhead. It's the loudest stadium in the NFL. A lot of people can hype up the Seattle Seahawks and Lumen Field, and to me, they're second. But Arrowhead is deafening. Patrick Mahomes at home. He's going to operate efficiently. They just put up 44 points. On the Cardinals, almost 500 yards on them. Uh, So I really like Kansas City, and I think they're going to throw the ball a lot. I think the Chargers uh, will be able to stop the run. You know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire looked great last week. They were able to run the football downhill on the Cardinals. I don't expect the Chiefs to be able to do that uh, tonight. Uh, to them. I think it's going to be a lot of passing and I think they have the guys. So if the offensive line can hold up against Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, I think Kansas City is going to be feeling very comfortable in this game. And on the flip side, I think Justin Herbert's going to have a great game. I think Austin Eckler is going to have a big game after kind of a week one dud. Uh, You know, this is a premier quarterback matchup. It's Herbert, it's Mahomes. But I think with home field advantage, with how efficiently this offense is operating in the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid, you know, Chiefs have no really easy games on their schedule. Uh, and I think they win this one. Slight division game, uh, Chargers always played them tough. Justin Herbert's played them tough. Uh, but Chiefs have not known to lose the division. I know Chargers were my division pick, uh, you know, three seed. But I do think Chiefs get the win here uh, tonight. Moving on to the rest of week two. The New York Jets. And the Cleveland Browns. I'm rolling with the Cleveland Browns. I don't want to. I like to pick the Jets to get a win. But the Jets look very inept against the Ravens. And I know the Ravens are a much better team than the Cleveland Browns. Uh, But to me, Joe Flacco throwing 59 times. That's not really the formula for the Jets to win football games. And the formula for Flacco to win either. Even when he was in Baltimore, he was winning Super Bowls. Very rarely did he throw 59 times a game. So I think we're going to have to be much more balanced with Michael Carter and Brees Hall. Uh, but then on the flip side, Cleveland, I think Nick Chubb will have a great game. Uh, and Jacoby Brissett will be fine at managing the game like he did last week. Uh, not putting him in any situations. Uh, whatsoever that could hurt him uh, and you know last week they had more rushing yards than pass yards uh, Cleveland is 217 rushing yards and 147 uh, passing yards and I expect that trend to keep up for Cleveland I could very much well see Cleveland lead the league in rushing this year since Jacoby Brissett is their quarterback for the majority of the season and I think it's a formula that can work for Cleveland, definitely against uh the bottom dweller teams and the you know middle of the pack teams. It can get tight. Do I expect them to beat any elite teams in the AFC? Uh, no, I do not. But if they can run the ball well and if their defense can play really good, last week a limited Christian McCaffrey to like twenty three yards. The Panthers only had fifty four total rushing yards so I think that is a great formula for Cleveland to win football games run the football and stop the run Uh, and I think Cleveland can do that and get a win against the Jets. The Washington Commanders and the Detroit Lions. Very encouraging for my Detroit Lions this past weekend. Went toe-to-toe with the Philadelphia Eagles. Many expect to win the division, myself included, after Dak's injury. Some even have him pegged going to the NFC Championship game. So to me, it was very encouraging. I thought Jared Goff played better than Carson Wentz. Thought he was more efficient. Uh, You know, yes, he had the pick six, but Carson Wentz also threw two interceptions. And it's kind of interception prone. And here we get two former first-round picks from the NFL draft in 2016. Jared Goff went one to the Rams, Carson Wentz two uh, to the Eagles, and now they're both with different teams, and now they're facing off against each other. So you kind of have that quarterback matchup right there, but I do think the Detroit Lions are going to win this game, and this is the first game that the Detroit Lions are favored to win in 24 uh, consecutive games they've been the underdog. Last time they were the favorite was I believe 20, uh, 20, 2019 against the Panthers, and they got shut out that game. they were favorite uh, p.J Walker quarterback the Panthers that day to a victory. but I think this is different. I do. I think DeAndre Swift is one of the most electric backs in the league. He proved that last week, I, which I thought was going to be a stout Eagles front, and DeAndre Swift ran all over them. He's able to catch the ball in the backfield and, you know, make guys miss, create space. He was brilliant. I think he'll keep that up. They got their wide receivers involved, Amon Ross St. Brown and DJ Charts. Those guys looked phenomenal. Uh, my defense was able to contain, uh, you know, the running deck for the most part. It was really Jalen Hurts that torched us with the impromptu runs, uh, the read options. And then my, Defensive backs were, had an issue, so my defense didn't play that well last week. Missed tackles, uh, but Washington, their pass defense was even worse last week. Trevor Lawrence really went off on them, even Moby still escaped with a win, uh, so I could see this maybe not as high a scoring as last week, even with two poor defenses, but I could see Detroit winning a close one at uh, 28-24. Uh, 30-27, something around the ballpark of that. And I think Detroit will escape with a win. They'll get to 500. I think the guys will feel good. Uh, It's nice starting off with two consecutive home games. Last week didn't go the way you wanted it to, uh, but they have a good chance for redemption here against the Washington Commanders. Uh, And I really do think Detroit's in a situation now. To where they can win this game. They can win close games. And I think they'll beat up on Carson Wentz in Washington. Next up, Tampa Bay and New Orleans. Tampa Bay and Tom Brady have had trouble with the Saints since he has uh, come down to Tampa Bay. He is 1-4. In matchups against New Orleans since he's joined Tampa Bay, the lone win being their postseason win. But in the regular season, Tom Brady has not beat the New Orleans Saints as a member of the Buccaneers. And in fact, the Saints have won seven straight against the Bucs. Uh, You know, with this being hyped up, uh, we did hype up last year going into the NFC Championship game. If the 49ers really had the Rams number, it was six straight times that they beat them. Uh, we expected them to roll again, but that wasn't the case. Much closer, and the Rams ended up winning. And I do think this is a game that Tampa Bay uh, ends New Orleans' streak. I really do believe that. Uh, I think the formula that Tampa Bay has now, where you know New Orleans was really set, On dropping guys back, uh, confusing Tom Brady as best as they could, uh, forcing him into situations to throw the ball where he shouldn't, pick sixes, interceptions, uh, had doomed the Tampa Bay offense. But I think last week, Tampa Bay showed a much more balanced attack, running the football, passing the football. So if they can open it up against uh, New Orleans, really run the football, get some good yards, make them respect the run game so that it can open up the play action passing. I think that's the formula to beat these new Orleans saints. Then defensively, I was very encouraged by what I saw from Tampa Bay in this first game compared to what I saw in any game last year from the bucks. Uh, Camara didn't have a great game last week against the Falcons and they don't have a great defense. Uh, so Tampa Bay's front, I think could handle Camara, uh, Division games are tough. Jameis Winston was great last week. They were able to utilize Taysom Hill in that Swift Army uh, you know, type role where he's quarterback, tight end, running back. And he was their leading rusher with 81 yards and a touchdown. Jarvis Landry looked good, Michael Thomas. So New Orleans has weapons, but I think Tampa Bay will be able to stop run. And they're going to force Jameis Winston to beat them. And I don't think so. So if you're forcing Jameis Winston to go toe-to-toe with the GOAT, I don't think that's going to be the case. Yes, the Bucks are dealing with injuries. Uh, Chris Godwin's most likely going to be out. Uh, Donovan Smith will most likely be out. But they were able to adjust really well against the Buccaneers. And Micah Parsons, one of the best defensive players in the league. So I think they'll be able to adjust. And as much as this offensive line was talked about, Uh, Their rookie, Lucas uh, Goderke, looked really good in both the run and pass blocking. uh, As sort of a new left guard. Robert Hainsey looked good. So that interior line looked fine to me. Tristan Wirfs is still a stud as right tackle. So to me, it's really the left tackle and Josh Wells. That's the biggest question mark right now to me for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I think Tampa Bay can go into New Orleans when this game starts 2-0 no, uh, and really silence a lot of the critics that people think the Saints are going to win. You know, the Bucks are just the middle of a packed team. I think Tom Brady, Bucks win this game, prove them wrong. Next up, Carolina versus the New York Giants. This here is one of those coin toss games. carolina Could have won last week. It was a 50-50 game, and the Giants won their game last week, but it was a 50-50 game. They went for a two-point conversion and won uh, since they got it. And I expect this game to be a very close, competitive game. Uh, You kind of got two quarterback duds and Baker Mayfield and Daniel Jones. Two good running backs that have been injury-prone. And Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. And just good weapons on the outside. So very similar matchup here. It's in New York, and I truly believe this is a toss-up game right here. It's Does Carolina Baker come out firing after a disappointing loss to Cleveland, which was supposed to be Baker's revenge game? Or do the New York Giants carry that momentum? that they took last week when they went for two and got it. And does Saquon go off again this week against the Panthers? Uh, To me, this game right now, it's too close uh, to call. The Giants are the favorite by two points, uh, but ESPN's FBI has Carolina uh, favored to win this game. But I do think it'll be a a 2 Uh, three-point spread. Last week, New York was really able to get their way running the football against the Tennessee Titans, even though their defense, their pass defense especially, wasn't that good. And that's kind of the opposite for Carolina. So you're both playing in uh, to the other team's strengths. Carolina's pass defense is much better. Uh, You know, so New York will they pass the ball as much, whereas Carolina's rush defense is much worse uh, than their pass defense. Or they run the ball a lot with Saquon Barkley, and that can give them a slight advantage. But I do think this is a very tough game. I could see this going either way. I might give Carolina the slight edge, but again, I'm always concerned picking Baker. Because as Nick Chubb once said, you just don't know what to expect from Baker. Next up, New England and Pittsburgh. Now, like I said yesterday with TJ Watt's injury, this is a pit, very pivotal game for Pittsburgh uh, because to me, they've got, after this, two comfortable games I think they can win. So if they can win this one and start uh, 2-0, and that would be huge. And with New England... You know, I'm not really worried about their defense. I think they're great up front. Uh, it's just last week they weren't able to run the football. Uh, offensively, Mac Jones didn't look that good, look as efficient as he did for most of the games last year. So that's what I'm concerned about, and that's what I think I'll be concerned about until the Patriots show me otherwise, is their offense. Offensively, how good are they? What can they do? How can they win certain matchups? That, to me, that is the biggest question. Uh, And then Pittsburgh with T.J. out, Is that defensive line as dominant? Because you don't have to account for him on any side anymore coming after a quarterback for offensive linemen. You can kind of breathe a sigh of relief uh, now. So this is another game. Much like that Carolina-New York Giants, this is really a toss-up between two storied franchises and two storied coaches and Mike Tomlin and Bill Belichick. Uh, Bill Belichick has definitely gotten the best of Mike Tomlin in the majority of their matchups. And so again, this game, I believe, is going to come down to the wire. It's... How does Pittsburgh respond to T.J. Watt being out? And, you know, is New England more efficient? And is there any semblance of offense after what we saw from them last week? Next, the Indianapolis Colts and the Jacksonville Jaguars. This one's in Jacksonville. We all know last year this was the final game of the season, and Jacksonville romped them twenty six to eleven. That loss, Colts changed quarterback. It was Jacksonville's seventh consecutive home win against the Colts. Indianapolis has just had a tough time winning in Jacksonville. Haven't won there since two thousand fourteen, and last week, Indianapolis. Didn't look relatively impressive at all. They were down majority of the game to the Houston Texans. Couldn't get anything going offensively to the end of the game, which they did. Took the game to overtime. And Rodrigo Blankenship, their kicker, missed the game-winning field going overtime, so they waived him. And I thought Jacksonville looked much better against the Commanders. They were in an opportunity to win the game. And they didn't seize that opportunity in the commander's one. So again, right here, I think we have another toss-up between two divisional teams going at it. You know, Indianapolis is favored by four points. Most people are predicting them to win. But is it a mental thing? Can they really go down to Jacksonville and beat them last year? You know, I thought, you know, Indianapolis can go to the playoffs. All they have to do is win a game. They can go down there, take care of business. They can snap the streak, but they didn't. Much more pressure on that game, but the Colts, uh, like I said, didn't look all that impressive last week Who I picked to win the division. No team really in the AFC South. Looked impressive. No one picked up a win and there was a division game because the Colts and the Texans tied. So again, this is yet another toss up. It's, you know, Indianapolis. It's the streak everyone has talked about. You know, nobody is let go. Uh, kid is Matt Ryan now the quarterback, the one who can beat Jacksonville and Jacksonville. We'll see. But again, I think another close game. there will be another toss-up there in Jacksonville. Next up, Miami and Baltimore. Baltimore is a favorite in this game. But I do like Miami to win this game. I'm picking Miami. I liked what I saw from Lamar Jackson last week. Thought he was very efficient, even though he had the one interception. But I thought Tua was just as efficient. He was very accurate with his placement of the football for the most part. A couple of balls maybe underthrown, but his receivers, especially Tyreek, went out and made plays. So, you know, Miami's kind of given Baltimore some trouble last the last few years, and I think it continues. Uh like I said, Miami's offense can definitely match up with Baltimore, one of Baltimore's uh, cornerbacks, uh, Kendall Fuller, or Kyle Fuller, my bad. I uh, just went down uh, with an injury. ACL, he'll be out for the rest of the year. So, you know, who knows if Marcus Peters a will play or not. So, this is a game I think Miami's offense can definitely take advantage of and they can score some points. And then defensively, I think they can disguise coverages very well. They can blitz Lamar. They can get to Lamar with four guys. And then on the outside where it's, you know, Rashad Bateman and company, Miami has cornerbacks to cover those guys one-on-one and not really need safety help with Xavier and Howard and Byron Jones. Uh, you know, both teams didn't run the football particularly well last week. Uh, Miami was sixty-five rushing yards, Baltimore with sixty-three, and we're kind of used to having uh, Baltimore especially be more a running team. Uh, but I like Miami's offense. Baltimore's defense allowed three hundred and ninety yards to the Jets last week. Miami is much more high-powered, much more firepower. I think Miami can really start off strong, uh, seize control, seize the momentum in this game, uh, and win with Tua playing efficiently with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. I like Miami uh, to upset the Baltimore Ravens. Next, the Atlanta Falcons and the Los Angeles Rams, the biggest point spread of the week, the... Biggest favorite is the Los Angeles Rams. Biggest road underdog this week is the Atlanta Falcons. But I'm not giving the Atlanta Falcons any shot. Yes, the Los Angeles Rams looked relatively very unimpressive against the Bills. But the Bills, to me, are the best team in football. I think the Rams can definitely rebound against the Falcons. And the Falcons just had a gut-wrenching loss to the Saints. Up the whole game, had a 97% chance to win in the fourth quarter, and they lost. So another home game for LA. Uh, you get a longer break because they just played Thursday night football. So you get about nine days rest. So I think that benefits the Rams and Matthew Stafford and Sean McVeigh and Cooper Cup Alan Robinson kind of getting on the same page. Uh see if Akers gets involved more. Uh, But I think the Rams uh, get this win here uh, before the schedule starts to slowly ramp up the rest of the season. Next, Seattle and San Francisco. Uh, To me, this matchup is the outcome of two matchups last week that I didn't expect. didn't expect Seattle to beat the Broncos. I didn't expect the 49ers to lose to the Bears. So here we are, Seattle, the NFC West leader so far at 1 0. I can't believe I'm saying that. And San Francisco, 0 1. And this is Trey Lance's time to shine. I have a very short leash on Trey Lance because, like I said, this roster is in a win now mode. George Kittle. Debo Samuel, Trent Williams, they're in a win-now mode. They just suffered a loss to their running back, Elijah Mitchell. That definitely hurt San Francisco. It's a divisional game, and Seattle has definitely had the 49ers number over the years. But majority of that, all of that, has been with Russell Wilson. So does that change now that Russell Wilson's not there? You know, Seattle running on that emotional high of just beating their former quarterback they kind of lay an egg this week against San Francisco? And San Francisco, after laying an egg against Chicago, which many people expected them to win, do they now come out and play much better against Seattle? That's what I'm leaning towards. That's what I'm thinking. I don't think Geno Smith plays at that highly efficient level we saw Monday night. Uh, Trey Lance, I think, knows he's on a short leash. I think uh, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch know that, but if you start 0 2 against which many thought were the two worst teams in the league, the Bears and the Seahawks, you start 0 2 against that, you could be in for a very long year. It could be, you know, your 0 2 start could compound to 0 4, lost to Denver. In a loss of the Rams, you know, it could compound to, you know, two and eight. Uh, you know, your kind of wins being maybe Falcons and Panthers, but then Chiefs, Rams, Chargers after that. So, 49ers need to play with a sense of urgency. It's not time to panic now or get anxious. There's a difference between urgency and panic. And that's what the 49ers have to play with this week. They have to play with urgency. Uh, You panic if you lose this game. That's what you do. But right now, it's just urgent. And I think, you know, if the 49ers come out like they are of a more urgent team and kind of a must-win, now mode sort of mentality, I think that'll benefit the Niners. And I think they win this game against Seattle against a division rival. Next, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Dallas Cowboys. No Dad Prescott. Can Zeke Elliott carry a bulk, bulk of the workload? Can Cooper Rush come in and fill in, and get some wins again? I'm nervous about that. Cincinnati coming off a terrible performance against the Steelers. Again, they let in seven sacks. Joe Burrow, five turnovers. Was not sharp for the Cincinnati Bengals, which I expected them to come out looking sharp and looking like they were just in the Super Bowl. They got a revamped offensive line. That was not the case with the Cincinnati Bengals. But I think the Cincinnati Bengals, again, like I expect the Niners to on Sunday, I expect the Bengals to come out with a sense of urgency, uh, a sense of, hey, we got to protect our quarterback. We went out and spent a ton of money on the offensive line uh, right there. We got four new starters. Now it takes time to gel, especially, like I said, when you don't play any preseason games. uh the gelling then goes into effect in the regular season. And I know people want to say all that should be gelled off in the offseason in training camps and in practice. But game situations are much more different than training camps and practice. And the preseason is some semblance of that. So, like I said, teams that don't play in the preseason are starting behind the eight ball. Both the Bengals and the Cowboys are. But I think the Bengals are just better suited now to handle that adversity moving forward because they at least have a quarterback. Dallas doesn't have Dak Prescott for this game. Uh, Zeke didn't look great. Tony Pollard didn't look great. Uh, CeeDee Lamb wasn't involved. I think Cooper Rush will get CeeDee Lamb much more involved because Cooper Rush knows what type of player CeeDee Lamb is. So he's going to make sure he gets in the ball where CeeDee Lamb and Dak clearly don't have the connection that he and Amari Cooper had. So Cincinnati goes into Dallas, America's team, and I think they handle them uh, pretty good and get out there with a comfortable victory. Next, Houston and Denver. Houston coming off to me, which was a miraculous sort of tie. In Denver, a stunning loss to Seattle. Uh, the offense was able to put up, you know, a ton of yards, four hundred and forty-three, but they weren't able to put up a ton of points, only sixteen to match. I thought the defense did good; they just couldn't score in the red zone, where it really counts. Now we're in Denver, mile high. Uh, it's Russell's first home game. It's no longer going to be. His most hostile atmosphere ever going into, which was last week at Seattle, I don't think he'll ever have another situation like that in his career. Even if he plays Seattle later down the road in a year or in years, I don't think he'll get the reception he did last night. I think Denver, Broncos, Russell Wilson, uh, Javante Williams, Jerry Judy, Portland Sutton, I expect them to trounce the Houston Texans. Get on them early, not let your foot off the gas. And maybe if you're lucky, you can rest the starters during halftime. That's how big I think Denver will be up in that game. Next up, Las Vegas and Arizona. Two teams, uh, 0-1 in great divisions, NFC West, AFC West. Last week, Cardinals were just outmatched uh, in every football aspect against the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes clearly superior than Kyler, Kyler Murray in a whole different universe than him. Offensive line for the Chiefs was better. Every position of the Chiefs looked better last week, played better last week, and it showed. Cardinals were outmatched. It proved that they are not a Super Bowl contender since they could not keep up with those Kansas City Chiefs. Now they play another AFC West team in that loaded division, the Raiders. And the Raiders last week were able to move the ball. Devontae Adams looked like the best wide receiver in football. Uh, but there were to me two main issues with the Raiders: one being their lack of a running game, not getting Josh Jacobs involved that early, and the second part was Derek Carr throwing three interceptions that can't happen if you erase those interceptions, the Raiders won this game uh but a lot of the interceptions were bad. they were on Derek Carr, they were you know under throws and just bad decisions by him. And you're going to lose football games when you do that. And, you know, Las Vegas kind of had the home field, too. Uh, Chargers fans are basically non-existent. They're extinct. Uh, So Las Vegas had home field, sort of. And they lost it. Now they're going to their true home in Vegas in Allegiant Stadium. Dante's first home game. And I don't think Arizona's going to be ready for the moment. They have proved that time. And time again, against superior teams that, you know, is this Arizona's chance to make a step forward? And they end up taking two steps back. This team is not ready for a moment with Kyler Murray. They're not prepared under Cliff Kingsbury, and they just don't have the depth, which is, uh, uh, you know, an indictment on Steve Kine, their general manager. So their top head of their organization is flawed. Their coaching is flawed, and this roster is flawed. It's a flawed organization. That's why I think they go 0-2, because the Raiders stack up better. I like Derek Carr more than Kyler Murray. Uh, Devontae is better than any of the, you know, current available wide receiver Cardinals, uh, you know, at all. So... I don't think Cardinals going to come out firing. Him. And then defensively, uh, you know, Josh Jacobs might be able to run on them. Maybe Derek Cardinals going to throw three interceptions. And this game might not even be close. Like I said, you know, this is a big game for Arizona. You don't want to start 0-2 because then you got the Rams next week. And you could be looking at 0-3. And then the truly big games, the Cardinals don't step up. Now, you can start the beginning of the year strong like they've had. You know, they beat Buffalo two years ago. Last year, they beat the Rams in like the third or fourth game. And everything was good for the Cardinals. But come later in the season, those big games, Cardinals haven't won. They didn't beat the Packers last year big game. They didn't beat the Rams big game. That would have essentially sealed the division for the Cardinals later in the year. Uh... And then against the Rams, again, in the playoffs, they did not show up. That had a playoff-style atmosphere to the Chiefs. They were not ready for that. I expect a similar atmosphere for Las Vegas. A big game. And I don't expect the Raiders, I, I don't expect the Cardinals, to show up prepared for that game. I believe they start in an 0-2 hole. Could easily lose to the Rams next week. And at that time... It's time to hit the panic button. It's If I'm the owner of this team, it's, oh my, did I make the wrong decisions? Giving Kyler Murray so much money. Giving Cliff and Steve Kime extensions. That could cost me a lot down the road. And what do I have to show for it? Absolutely nothing. So to me, the team that needs to play the best, needs to prove something the most out of all the teams so far this weekend, It is the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know if they're up for the task. Uh, And I think Las Vegas is going to win this game. Then Sunday night, another big home favorite that ties the Los Angeles Rams. Big road underdog. The Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers. NFL's oldest rivalry taking place. In Lambeau Field, one of the most storied venues in all of football. Last week, Chicago was able to get a great win against the San Francisco 49ers, where the Green Bay Packers looked inept, looked outmatched against the Minnesota Vikings. But as has been the case with the Green Bay Packers, take it one week at a time. Uh, We haven't played well the first week last year. Maybe we can rebound. And in your rebound game, you get the quarterback's favorite opponent. Aaron Rodgers loves playing the Bears. He has beaten no team more than the Chicago Bears. Last year, the I Still Own You at the Chicago Bears crowd. Of course, this one's in Green Bay. But I think Aaron Rodgers is going to show that he still owns. The Bears, 10 point favorite. I like the Packers in this game. I think it might be a little closer. I don't know if this team is fully ready. Uh, like Aaron Rodgers said yesterday, he's going to play his style of play, uh, you know, and he wants the wide receivers to kind of catch up to him. But he did take some ownership saying some of the turnovers are on him, his interception was bad. Uh, you know, when was the last time he threw an interception against a divisional opponent? Uh, he said the fumble was bad, the read option. So he admitted that he made some bad plays, but some of the plays that were good, that, you know, wide receiver drops, you know, they're just going to have to make some plays. So Packers, I believe, make those plays. I believe they play better. I believe the defense is much more equipped to handle the Bears than the Vikings. And I think the Packers win this game. They get back on the right track. Everybody sort of relax, put their worries about the Packers to rest at least for now. And things look good for Green Bay for the moment moving forward. So that's the NFL. A lot of great games this weekend. Now let's move on to some college football. College football pick time. First, Oklahoma and Nebraska. Another storied rivalry. Oklahoma is number 6-2-0. Brent Venables is going look great as a head coach. Whereas Nebraska is 1-2. Off uh, a lowly loss to Georgia Southern. And they just fired their head coach, Scott Frost. So is Nebraska going to come in with a mindset ready to play with an interim head coach? Ready to take on Oklahoma or with all these distractions, is Oklahoma going to win? Because offensively, to me, Nebraska's been just as good as Oklahoma. They're three points shy, points per game. Oklahoma 39, Nebraska 36 uh, yards. Uh, Nebraska has a slight edge by 30, 461 to 492. More passing yards for Nebraska, 288 to 264 and a slight edge in rushing yards, 203 to 196. So offensively, Nebraska's been fine. Uh, Katie Thompson, Casey Thompson, has been a great quarterback for them. The problem with Nebraska, it's their defense. It's even though they've, you know, offensively, they have 492 yards on offense, they've allowed just as much in 492, 284 passing yards, 207 rushing yards. Their defense, it's terrible. Brent Venables, the coach of Oklahoma, is a defensive-minded coach. I think he slows the Nebraska attack down a little bit, and I think Oklahoma has their way offensively. Yes, it is a rivalry game, but I think Oklahoma gets the win against Nebraska this weekend. BYU and Oregon. I think Oregon's going to win – Yes, Oregon had their abysmal loss to open the season to Georgia. Everybody sort of roped them off. But last week, playing Cooper Cup's team, Eastern Washington, Oregon put up 70 points. Yes, BYU had the crazy upset last week, beat Baylor in double overtime. But now they're going to, uh, you know, Oregon. Very, very tough place to play there. In Hudson, uh, I think BYU is going to have a tough time uh, moving the football. I think Bo Nix is going to play better, not playing a Georgia defense the rest of the year. And I think Oregon wins this game. Uh, Dan Landing, head coach here of Oregon, picks up his first big win against BYU uh, before they start conference play. Next, Penn State and Auburn. And to me, this is close. Uh, This game right here, a lot of odds makers picking Penn State. But this game's in Auburn. To me, it's tough for Penn State and just teams to go to the SEC and SEC environment and win games where it's going to be hot and humid down there in Alabama. I'm not, you know, sold on Sean Clifford at all. Uh, And I'm not sold on the Auburn quarterback as well, TJ Finley. But I do like Bigsby for Auburn more than Singleton for Penn State out of the two running backs. I think defensively, Auburn's a little more tighter being an SEC team compared to Penn State. And James Franklin has had a tough time the past couple years getting some big wins. Yes, they beat Purdue earlier in the year by four points, but that wasn't entirely impressive. I think Auburn pulls off the upset against Penn State. Next up, Colorado and Minnesota. I have Minnesota winning. You know, a lot of these games are tough. I need to throw out an easy win just to give me some confidence with all the other close games. Colorado is 0-2. Minnesota is starting much better with P.J. Fleck. I think uh, 2-0. Minnesota wins this game. Troy versus Appalachian State. Watch out for Appalachian State. To me, they should be 2-0. They should be ranked... uh, should have beat North Carolina in that crazy game. And then last week, they upset Texas A&M, uh, which to me was very likely to do. And Appalachian State did it. Now we don't have to talk about Appalachian State and Michigan. Now we can lump in Texas A&M in that as well. So that makes me happy. And I think Appalachian State rolls on versus Troy. Mississippi State versus LSU. I'm going LSU. I'm not that confident in this LSU team in Brian Kelly, uh, but I think they are a touch better than Mississippi State. Mike Leach is good. They just beat Arizona. Can LSU get a big division win for Brian Kelly right here? Texas Tech and North Carolina State. Texas Tech coming off a huge win last week to Houston. Many thought they were the best group of five school. That turned out to not be the case. North Carolina State. Uh, I think this is a big game for them. Uh, this to me is sort of, you know, a, a must to win here. You know, their first game didn't look sharp at all against East Carolina. Looked much better last week against Charles Southern. Now against Texas Tech. Before you play your division teams, your Clemsons and Louisvilles, it's how do you look here against Texas Tech, against the Big 12 team. I like North Carolina State, but I think this is going to be a very close game. Next, Michigan State and Washington. I can't believe Washington is the favorite in this game. Uh... I thought Michigan State would be the favorite. That's not the case. Maybe Vegas knows something. I don't. But last year, Mel Tucker and his team has looked good. Yes, they lost some defensive players. Peyton Thorne has been careless with the football already throwing three interceptions. Uh, But I think Michigan State can win this game. I do think it's going to be close uh, if Washington is the favorite, not just because of that. But last year, Washington played a Michigan team. The Wolverines... In Michigan, and they got walloped by Washington. I think Washington wants to prove this year's going to be much better. They're playing another Michigan team. This time it's in Washington. Can they escape with the one Even though they're the favorite, I still think this would be an upset win over Michigan State. It would be a huge win for them. However, I don't see it happening to me. Pac-12, Big Ten teams, it's another league. There's tears of college football conferences and the Big Tens on another tier. And even though I hate Michigan State, I help Mel, hate Mel Tucker. I take pride in the Big Ten winning football games. Uh, so I'm fine with Michigan State winning this one. And then they can lose in conference play. Uh, but I do think Michigan State and Mel Tucker are coming out prepared against uh, the Washington Huskies. UCF and Florida Atlantic. UCF, simple as that. And then the big primetime game, 6 o'clock, Miami and Texas A&M. Texas A&M, win now mode. You just lost to Appalachian State. You wouldn't lose this game. Jimbo Fisher, your number one recruiting class that you touted this year. Uh, Things aren't going to be looking good if you lose this game. Mario Cristobal and Miami have looked great, but this is their first real competition before conference play. I just want to say I'm picking Texas A&M, but it's about to get ugly for Texas A&M. They don't lose this game. Uh, They're going to lose two out of their next three games. Uh, I don't see them beating Arkansas. I think Arkansas is elite, and if we're talking about SEC West teams, It's not Alabama and Texas A&M like a lot of people thought. It's Arkansas and Alabama, to me, right there. So after this game, Texas A&M plays Arkansas. Two weeks after that, they play Alabama. They play Ole Miss. They play Florida. It gets tough. Uh, This is a huge game for Jimbo Fisher. If they don't win this game, the season is a wash. You lose the heart of the recruits. It gets very difficult if Miami loses, or if Miami wins this game and Texas A&M loses, Uh, this would be detrimental to that program. I think Texas A&M avoids it, but this to me is my most nervous pick right here is this Texas A&M one. But again, I'm not a fan of Mario Cristobal either in big games. What he showed with Oregon, I think Texas A&M can beat Miami even though I'm not entirely convinced myself. Then wrapping up my two last points. One, Roger Federer announces his retirement. 20-time Grand Slam champion is going to play the Lever Cup as his final event. This took me by surprise because I thought he was healthy. He was coming back. He said he wanted to play some more tennis, and I thought he was going to compete for some more Grand Slams next year. Uh, But he says that, you know, the past three years of the injuries and surgeries that he's had, uh, that you know, his body is at his limit. He's 41 years old, uh, and it's time for him to retire. Uh, He says he's going to keep playing tennis, but just not competitively, and Grand Slams were on tour. Uh, I to me I can't believe this. Uh, you know Roger Federer, to me is the greatest tennis player of all time. I know and Nadal's got two more majors than him. Uh, you know most of them are on the French, uh, Open and then, uh, Joker has got him by one. But I just think you know Fetter his level of dominance. You know in week one that. The times that he spent there, uh, you know, kind of his grand slams are spread out. He was, to me, the most consistent, uh, tennis player among the big three of Nadal and Joker. Uh, his, you know, forehand, his footwork, his serving, uh, you know, was just great. Uh, so to me, he is the goat of men's tennis all-time great athlete, he's going to be missed. Uh, and this, you know, signals sort of the end of an era for that big three of tennis. Uh, but congratulations to Roger Federer and a great career. And then my final note, of course, is on live golf golf. Greg Norman says he has no interest in live golf having any sort of truce with the PGA Tour because his product is working. He's tried awfully hard to be cordial with him, but this is just, you know, a tour of in addition to golf's ecosystem. And he thinks the PGA is trying to destroy us. It's as simple as that. Well, yeah, everybody knows that P- PGA Tour doesn't want you and your Saudi investment fund running around, ruining the game of golf. That's why Tiger Wood just stepped up now more as a vocal leader. Rory McIlroy has uh, because, you know, Live Golf says they're an addition. But they're not. They want to take away all the top players of the PGA Tour and run the PGA Tour out of business. It's as simple as that. It is a rivalry. Live isn't an addition. It's just throwing money and checks and dollars at golfers to try to get them to turn away from a PG tour. It's not an addition. It's not a homegrown golf environment where they have their own golfers. You know, like other tours, it's not like that at all. Uh it's just throwing money. The top guys are helping they turn so that you have a product at all, it's as simple as that uh live golf is hogwash uh it's not good for a sport, not good for golf, not good for anyone uh except the players that get a hundred a $1 million dollars from Saudis. and that's that but other than that, I'm looking forward to a great weekend of college football and n f l This has been Unbothered. I'll talk to you all next week. Bye, everybody.